Oh my goodness. Welcome to the Heart to Heart Real Business Podcast, where we talk about real business, real growth, and what it truly takes to have a business, not only that you love, but also makes a ton of money along the way. This is a place you can come to listen, share, learn, and just be yourself. I'm your host, Michelle Hartsman. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, you guys, to another episode. As mentioned, we have my dear friend and client of the last couple of years, Joe White, um, Joanna, but I always call her Joe, and she's here with me today. We are going to dive into some really cool shit. We were just riffing before we turned on the audio for this, and I'm not sure where this podcast is going to go, but I'm just going to tell you it's going to be really good. <laughs> we're going to talk about simplicity in business the importance of mentorship, and really just breaking the roles in the industry and doing things differently. And so, Joe, welcome. We're so happy to have you here. Before we go in, tell us a little bit about you, um, and we'll go from there. We'll see what comes up today. Yes, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And hello to all of Michelle's listeners. This is going to be such a good episode. So for those of you that don't know me, I am Joe. Um, I am a registered dietitian turned business coach, um, and I help my clients scale their businesses using integrity-driven strategies. And my personal definition of integrity-driven strategies is like selling that feels good, selling in a way that feels good for both you as the coach and feels good to the buyer. So no high-pressure sales tactics, no cold DMing, getting away from all of those things in business that feel draining and tiring and really running your business your way. So good. And the first thing that came up when you were saying that, Joe, is like, I wrote it down. I was like, cold DMs, question mark. Do people still do that? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, yes, because my DMs are flooding with them all day long. And in my head, I'm like, wait, is this still being taught? Like, how, how is this going on? Like, Um, I was actually just having a conversation with a client a few days ago and the topic of consent came up and it's like, Ooh, like how can we take a look at the ethics behind cold pitching, especially profiling someone that you think is your ideal client before you ever know if they have the problem that you help solve. Facts. The moment you said that it brought me to when Khan and I first got engaged, um, I'm petite. I'm small. I'm like 5'1", 115 to 117 pounds. And at that time, I was probably like a little heavier than I am now. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many health and fitness professionals were in my DMs trying to like sell me to get me like shredded for my wedding Um, and photographers. And it was like, one, you're insulting me. Two, I'm not trying to lose weight for my wedding. And three, I'm definitely not hiring you. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I know a lot of people that are in my world, in your world, they may be health coaches, fitness coaches, nutrition coaches, dietitians. I feel like our our target markets and our, our communities have that overlap. And one thing I always make sure to to kind of instill in my clientele is when you're cold DMing somebody, which they should not be, think about like, how is that person receiving it on the other end? If that person does not have an issue with their relationship with food, if that person does not have a desire to change their body, if that person does not have a desire to 
I don't know, run a marathon or work out, or maybe they have an injury or a disability where they can't even work out because of, of their circumstances, how are they going to feel on the receiving end of a cold DM that doesn't even apply to them? So I think like that is like my, one of my values of integrity. And like, then we actually zoom out and take a look at the big picture. There's so many bigger reasons why cold DMing is like not the thing to do. Literally. And I, I think it brings us onto this topic of breaking the rules in the industry and breaking the rules of like, what people tell you you have to do. I feel like, I don't know, I'm like on the side of the industry where I don't really consume. The only people I see are my clients. So I, I feel like I kind of live in la-la land most of the time. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know the bullshit that's going on because if I'm being honest, I just don't pay attention to it. I don't have the time for it and I just frankly don't care. But I will say I'm aware of it because I have clients that come into my world and they tell me these horrible experiences and the things that they've been taught. And we have to unlearn a lot of things. And I, I think when we think about the rules of the industry, it's really important to be mindful of one, who you're hiring, but two, like if someone's trying to teach you something or telling you it has to be that way to, to question it, right? Absolutely. And I think like I have a decent amount of people who do exactly what I do, either um, muted or I don't follow them. And I, I, again, that, that consumption where we feel if somebody is teaching in a different way that we are, or if their values or if their philosophies are different from us and we're consuming their content, we're going to inherently think that what we're doing is wrong or what we're doing is less than. And not even taking it into consideration if that person makes more money than us or if that person has more followers, that is really going to set us into a spiral. So I feel like our voice will be louder, clearer, more passionate when we're not having that consumption of people who are in the same exact industry or maybe doing the exact same things that we are. 100%. And I was just saying this to one of my masterminds today that I don't watch anyone. I just said this, you know, I don't watch anyone besides my clients. And so I'm so in tune with like how I want to do things and my beliefs and what I stand for and like what I, the things I've learned even over the years that like I just don't want to do and or I don't want to teach and I don't want to keep inside of my business. Right. But I think we, we don't do that. We're so consumed with social media. It's so easy to pick up our phones. We're kind of addicted to know what other people are doing, especially if it's similar to us. Um, that we get this squirrel mentality where it's like we're halfway doing one thing and then you're like turning completely right because somebody else was doing it this way. And what starts to happen is I actually think that makes things harder in business because you're not actually following through with anything because you're just trying on every strategy for size like Goldilocks hoping and praying something will work. Yeah, and it it stunts our creativity because now it's almost like we have a benchmark that we're comparing ourselves to. It's like having, it's like uh, being in school and it's like, okay, well, this person is the star student and they're getting an A and it's always feeling less than because you constantly have that benchmark of comparison. And in business, we are the CEOs of our company. We call the shots, we make the rules. So if anything, we should have the creative liberties 
to be able to say what we want, create what we want, show up how we want, coach and teach how we want without worrying what other other people are doing. Yes. And I actually think it'll make you more successful. I think think about who you're gravitated to in the online space, right? It's like you're you're gravitated towards people who are leaders, who are doing things differently, who don't sound the same. And I don't mean like go off the cusp and like be someone that you're not here, but where can you get so in tune with like your intellectual property, your curriculum, how you want to teach, how you want to lead? Um, I was just sharing with a client the other day, she's creating a micro offer. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's one of like a short-term offer. And she said, you know, Michelle, I really liked the way that you ran. She's a mastermind client now. She said, I like the way you ran at capacity, which we ran months ago. She goes, you did it so different than everyone else where like you actually uh, talked to us and you coached us in between the programs. I never saw that done before. And I giggled. I said, you know, I just had to realize along the way People made a lot of rules around how they run programs. And I just realized I'm a, I'm a talkative back and forth coach. And so what I realized about me for my clients to get better results in those micro offers, I wanted to include a part of that. Is that the industry norm? And would other people make reels and make fun of coaches that do that? Yeah, probably because everyone's so gung-ho on boundaries and proximity in this industry. But for me... My clients got better results. And I'll tell you, doing it my way, we made thousands of dollars behind the scenes from people that upgraded into other offers because I did it my way and they got to see how I would really coach. And so, like, what are your thoughts on that, Joe? Just in everything that we do, just cutting out that noise. Yeah. So I have had multiple people message me. I've had current clients ask me this, and I have had past clients ask me this. And they say, Joe, I see you posting your business revenue, your financial wins, the success and upwards growth of your business. And they say, you're you're barely on Instagram this week, or you haven't put up a feed post in a week and a half, or you haven't done a mini training in a month. And, and, and they ask me this genuine question. They're like, how is this happening? And I say, when we step back and take a look at our business, we could either put all of our focus into the next sale, the next customer, and the next buyer. And if that is what we're constantly spotlighting, that is taking away time from the people who are currently paying, the people who are in your current containers and your current programs. If you're worrying about the next sale, the next customer, the next buyer, who's supporting those people inside your containers? So with a smaller audience, comparatively, I've shifted my focus. I haven't shifted to getting the next customer, next customer, next customer, growing my audience, getting more eyes. I made sure that I was focusing on client longevity and that the people in my world were feeling supported. And when your clients feel supported and your client experience is elevated, they stay. And your business makes so much more money while working less because you get to market less. Hey there, Heart to Heart family. If you're enjoying the show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and also head on over to hearttoheart.co, spelled just like the podcast, if you're ready to build and have a sustainable, scalable business that mixes the strategy, mindset, and energetic practices necessary to get you there. That's where the magic happens. Okay, now back to the show.
facts. And I do think more people buy because they see it. Like Joe and I have very, you know, we've been working together for quite some time now and we have very similar beliefs and um, core knowings and just really how we run our businesses and how we treat our clients. It's very similar. And with that, people see that. People pay attention. I also think from a business perspective, a lot of you gravitate towards either myself or Joe because you see that we don't have to be on all of the time because we've built a business that people want are resigning or they're joining micro offers or master classes and they're, they're paying behind the scenes where it doesn't always require a public promotion and or both of us rarely use our email list. You know, I send <laughs> in the podcast weekly and I know Jen, Joe said, Joe sends a monthly newsletter to her email. And so it's not even those like behind the scenes funnels and all that crazy action that's happening. It's really treat the clients that you have with the way in which you said you were going to treat them. You don't need to over deliver, but you need to, you need to give them what you said you were going to give them. And it baffles me the lack of how much this happens in our industry. I'm like astounded by it. Um, and then on the other side of that, your clients will get better results. They're re-signing with you. They're staying with you and they're referring you. Like, sure, Joe, you have so many referrals. You tell me that all the time. You're like, oh, this person referred. And then like these three best friends join. And I'm like, my God, she got like, it's a sorority coming. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think like we, we sometimes forget about the client experience. Like we forget about over delivering. Um, and it's funny because, you know, I've been in multiple coaching programs, masterminds, group programs throughout the years. And I have like one-on-one, like one-on-one coaching is one of my signature offers. So because it's one of my signature offers, it's where majority of my clientele fall. Um, so I have a typical response time of 24 hours or less. And I will never forget when I signed up with you where your one-on-one roster is smaller because maybe your signature offers are more of the group model. I said to myself, I was like, wait, Michelle responds to me this fast, like, like less than 24 hours, less than 12 hours. I was like, wait, that is like coaches do that. High level coaches, multiple six figure coaches do that. And it's so funny because, um, I heard this, I can't remember where I heard this, but I heard somebody say the other day, like having a coach makes me a better coach. Maybe one of my clients said that to me, like having a coach makes me a better coach. Um, and it's certainly true where I will never forget. I'm like, wait, I asked her this question at, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning. And she actually answered me by the time she went to bed or she actually answered me by the end of the workday. I was like, wait, is this what it feels like to, to have a coach that that is really leveraging in a client experience and cares about my success. Yeah. It's your client experience is everything. People talk in this industry um, and they'll ask, like you, we all have biz besties, right? Joe and I met in another mastermind and we were friends before we ever became coach client. Joe was at my wedding. Like Joe, if we're, you know, when we're not coach client, we'll be friends forever. And we'll always compare what's going on in our businesses and who we're working with. And that's where people talk. They talk about the experience. And at the end of the day, 
if people are investing hundreds or thousands of dollars in you, like that's their hard earned money. And I just never take that for granted. And people at the end of the day, when it comes to coaching, they want to be seen. And I just, I started a new mastermind recently, the Audacious Mastermind. We had our first group call today. And I had just said, you know, let's go around. Let's like officially introduce ourselves, even though the Voxer group had already started. And one of the things, one of the clients, she didn't even introduce herself. She goes, I just have to say, like, I knew this was going to be a cool mastermind because I got to be in Voxer with you. But she was like, I'm like shocked at the level of support that I receive from you. Like, I just can't even believe how much you're supporting us. And while I'm so grateful for that feedback, I, I'm saddened that people are shocked mm-hmm. that 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 support isn't existing more frequently in the industry. Yeah. And it's like, um, it was so funny in one of my masterminds, um, something similar happened where one of my masterminds comes with, um, it comes with uh, a couple one-on-one sessions. Yeah. And, but other than outside of the one-on-one sessions, the entire program calls, chat, everything is group group model. And so I was on a one-on-one session with a client and she's like, yeah, I don't know if my website um, is, is like formatted and set up the way it should be. She's like my sales page for my offer. Like I, I always wonder if it could be improved, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, send them to me. I was like, I'll take a look at your website. I'll take a look at your sales page. And she's like, and she's like, yeah. And my email secrets, I was like, yeah, send it to me. Like I'll give you feedback on all of those things. And she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. She's like, you, she's like in the mastermind, like, you're like, I could send you stuff and you'll give me feedback on it. And I was like, yeah, that's what I do all day long with my clients. Like one of my clients the other day, she's like, um, I have no idea how to post to announce an offer. I was like, all right, let me, I was like, let me get a crack at it. I was like, okay, what do we want the vibe of this post to be? What angle do we want to come from? And I helped her craft her content. And she, and, and it's kind of like, over-delivering and being able to not necessarily do things for our clients, but have our clients know that we're accessible to them and allow them to ask the right questions. That's another thing that I think we should definitely riff on is the success inside coaching containers sometimes comes down to being ready to have a coach, being ready to have a mentor in asking some of the most powerful and potent questions and getting responses to them that are going to progress the business forward. 100%. I think sometimes like, like they're silly questions and I don't think like, I don't think any question's dumb, but I think sometimes in the coaching realm, we, we can become dependent on our coaches. Right. And that's where, even when I'm coaching my mentors for the most part, and Joe's very similar, you know, she doesn't, t- Joe doesn't talk to me every day. Unless we're like shooting the shit on Instagram, like as friends, but she's not in my boxer every single day. Um, she comes in there, she's got a question, and then she like goes and maybe I don't hear from her for days. And like that's most of my one-to-one clients. I have a one-to-one client that messaged me last night, and like we haven't talked for like I looked at us, when's the last time we're and I talk? But she's like, <laughs> she, you know, I'll see her on a call next week and she's like out there crushing it. And it's like they come, my clients come in and yours too, Joe. Like they come in and they ask questions when they need the support and they go and implement. But I think what can happen is sometimes there's like a codependency that happens. And I'm not saying to not ask your questions. I want you to ask all of your questions. And some clients have more questions than others. Um, but where can we look at like, what is the actual question you want to 
ask? What's like, I always like to think about like, what's the result that I'm looking for? And so how can I ask this question or where do I feel stuck and how can I ask this question or what's, what do I think is holding me back from my next level that I maybe need to talk about and bring into conversation with my mentor versus like just kind of bringing a problem that I'm not necessarily looking for a solution for. Exactly. A hundred percent. I agree with that. Um, and I actually created a post. I think I put the post out in May or June and it was something along the lines of like the top five or the top six best questions that I got asked in my one-on-one coaching that I know my clients asking me this question made them more money. So if you're listening to this, and you're like, Joe, I want to know those questions. Just let me know and I could send you the post. But it's like the top five or top six questions that my clients asked me. And I know by them asking me that question, more money is going to come into their business based on the conversation that unfolded. So good. And that's, you know, that was another thing we were chatting about before we turned the audio on here today. It's like the importance of mentorship, right? Where, I mean, I... I won't ever preach this, but I'm going to preach it here. So <laughs> in lying, I guess. But like from my experience in my business, we're almost at six years in February. It'll be six years in this in this business. And I never not had a mentor. Like I never went on like a mentor gap. I was never like I'm taking a break from coaching. Like I just, it was just never something I said. It just wasn't the route that I ever went. And I've always had mentors. And at this point, I've been with a lot of my current mentors for quite some time. And so I think there's two proponents of this that I want to speak on is where I believe personally, my belief on this for me, and I don't think that this is true for everyone. Um, and that's where I don't really preach this, but I believe I'm as successful as I am. And I've had continued growth and stable growth in the business because I didn't take those mentorship gaps. Um, and two, long-term mentorship where I was able to build an actual like relationship with my mentor. I wasn't coach hopping and constantly seeking the next thing. And even when I did do that, like even in being in previous masterminds and stuff, um, what was so interesting is I always found myself a little disappointed. And so I also had to just find like what kind of coach container are the ones that are really going to suit me best. And I think that takes some time to figure out too. What are your thoughts on that, Joe? I definitely think um, finding the right mentor is the most important thing. But until you find that mentor and you're going from mentor to mentor, it it can feel defeating where it could feel like, oh, just another investment or, oh, just, <laughs> just another program that I'm joining. But when you find someone that you connect with on a deeper level, they're not just helping you in like intensives here and there or micro offers here and there, which typically goes over the planning and the strategizing. But to have somebody there for the troubleshooting, the implementation, and the application is an entirely different experience. And so I, uh, just like you, I have been in my business four and a half, five years. I want to say about five years now. And there's only a 30-day 30 30 span in those five years that I have not had a mentor. And I will never forget that month. That month, those 30 days, I convinced myself. I convinced myself to a point where I started telling my business best friends. I said, you know what? I just need to absorb. 
I just need to implement. I just need to start applying everything I learned. And I, and, and looking back, I was like, that's BS. It wasn't that I needed to digest and absorb and implement and sit with everything. It was that I was freaking scared of making another investment and ending up in the same place. And 30 days later, I realized that. And that's when I eventually hired you, Michelle. Um, And it's so interesting because ever since then, we really want to take a look at the business. And it's like, let's get real with ourselves. Do we really want to digest and absorb do we really need less support or is there is it fear holding us back? Is it fear that's preventing us from taking that next leap because we're scared of staying in the same spot? We're scared of making investment and not having an immediate ROI. And it's those leaps that are going, it's, it's going to change us. It's going to challenge us. And it's going to allow us to step up to the plate as a business owner. I love this conversation. And it's so ironic that what you just said, Joe, that like, that implementation phase and you were going to take 30 days to just kind of like marinate in it all. I just had somebody say that to me last week in the DMs and, you know, she's like, I'm sure you can understand this. And like, there's a part of me that I'm like, yes, I understand this. And there's part of me that's like, this is probably where she needs support the most in this moment. But that's for her to figure out. That's like, that can't be on my timeline to tell her that. And I lovingly said, you know, I completely understand. And like, I can't wait to see what comes from you sitting and marinating and you know, implementing all the things that you're learning. But I agree with you here. I think when we feel any kind of stickiness or stuckness or I'm going to sit and just implement, is it really that you weren't implementing when you were in the coaching container before? Like, I I mean, I know the container you were in and I was in that with you. Like, I know you were implementing, right, Joe? So it's like, isn't that funny how our mind does that where like we get scared to invest? Because I mean, investing thousands of dollars is no joke. Like it is a real thing. Um, it is scary. Um, the more we do it, the less scary it gets, but it's still, it's not normal. Like if I were to tell my parents the amount I invest in my business, they would think I was like insane. (laughs) (laughs) And also I feel like, um, somebody who gets it where a lot of times when we're on our own, we might go to a friend who isn't an entrepreneur, or we might go to a parent or he might go to a partner, um, a spouse. And what tends to happen is if they're not in the entrepreneurial world, let alone the coaching industry, it's like, hey, I'm selling something invisible that you can't see, touch, or feel. Like I'm selling this for hundreds of dollars, for thousands of dollars. It's having somebody in your corner who gets it and where you get to work through those problems faster and you're you're on to the next thing you're you're moving along you're troubleshooting and then you are moving the needle forward in the business yeah and you brought up a good point there i think sometimes what we do when we're like so uncertain about investing is like we want like our partners to be like the one that says yeah go for it and i mean i i can i can speak about my husband he's been you know in this he's seen every single investment I've made in my business since day one. And like since day one, I think he's thought I'd been like a little insane. And now even when I invest, you know, it's in the same mentors, but like there'll be re-signed conversations and I'll just let, I'm at the point where like, I just let him know. And what he knows now, like not to question me and not to doubt me. But like, I think if I genuinely asked for his opinion on like, hey, what do you think about me investing this amount 
for the next year into this. I think he'd be like, can you do that? Are you insane? Like, even though he knows I can and I have the money to do so, he would like, like question me and then say, why don't you wait a little bit? Why don't you implement? You have clients right now. Why don't you focus on coaching them? Like, because that number would feel terrifying to him. And I think I see this happen all the time where it's let me talk to my partner and they don't necessarily know the route you're going, the trajectory, what you're trying to do, um, and where that investment could get you, right? Yeah, and I think like um, there comes a point when as you hit um, five-figure months, multiple five-figure months, becoming a six-figure entrepreneur, becoming a multiple six-figure entrepreneur, et cetera, um, there comes a point when we're playing with these big amounts of money. Like these conversations that are happening aren't $500 investments. They're maybe not even 5,000. They might be $25,000 investments. And so like there comes a point when the emotional attachment to those numbers starts to change and starts to shift when you're in that abundance, when you're in that overflow, when you're in that excess Um, me and my clients always say like, oh, sometimes it feels like monopoly money where it's like, oh, well, we're just, this is just a business investment. Whoop, money's going from here into my mentor and money's going here into, I don't know, my assistant. And it, we, we lose that emotional connection to it because we're no longer in that scarcity mode. We know we have enough. We know we're in overflow. We know we're in excess. So we become more emotionally regulated around these investments, because we know that we'll be okay. And we know that these different investments are going to be the things that propel the business forward. And that is only going to lead to more growth. So I know me me and my husband have this conversation all the time. And the same thing, it's more of like, hey, this is what I'm investing in. Hey, this is what I'm doing. Um, And he, he also trusts me to take that, to make those intuitive decisions. And I always say I've made good investments. I've made not so good investments before, but there's not an investment I ever regretted. Every single investment I've made has taught me something or has helped me progress my business in some way. Same. And I think you brought up to a point there of like, I think everybody's made some investments that they're not proud of. Um, I certainly have. I should probably create a podcast on that. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to drop any names, you guys. We're not going to do that. But we all have. And I think it's what we do with those investments and how we look at it, right? I don't think it's ever a loss. I think what can happen, though, when you're in the midst of like making money and money is not as consistent, it can feel so detrimental to the business and can feel like, oh, my gosh, I lost money or this was a terrible investment. And then we're so terrified to invest again, right? And then we lose this distrust in those people that we are attracted to and vibing with and who we do want to invest in, right? So we're like asking them a million questions or we don't trust ourselves to invest because we're like, is this going to be the same thing? And am I not going to get anything out of it? And that's where I think it's looking at trusting yourself a little bit more, no matter what level you're at. Like if you're desiring growth and you don't know how to get there, the, the answer is support by somebody who's done it and or is doing it and or has the knowledge to help you get there. Um, otherwise, you will stay stuck. Yes, yes, absolutely. And something else I also want to mention is like 
investing is a privilege. And when you hold privileges, it becomes even more of a privilege to be able to invest in certain capacities. So the conversation that I always like to have with my clients, with potential clients, is do you have to open up a new credit card, take out a loan, take on debt, drain your savings? No, not necessarily. But but if there is an investment that you can't stop thinking about, and maybe it makes you a little bit uncomfortable, that's going to push you and propel you as a business owner. Do we want to invest in a container that is going to be very, very highly supportive, but our business is not at a place to sustain that? Probably not. And so like with, with investing comes privilege. So make sure that if you're listening to this right now, if you're contemplating making your next investment, is it something that feels really safe or is it something that makes you a little bit uncomfortable? If it makes you a little bit uncomfortable, that's probably going to be the investment that's going to help you grow and expand as a business owner. But we certainly don't want to have to choose between feeding our family, putting food on the table and investing in our business. Never. Yeah. And I know, I think you watch some show, The Watcher, right, Joe? Yes, 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 yes. So at this point, I'm assuming when this episode comes out, you guys have all seen it. If you haven't, I'm not ruining anything. But that family, when Con and I were watching them buy that house, the husband like drained their 401ks and all their retirement. And like, it was genuinely a house that they couldn't afford. They couldn't afford the house. And then they got into the house and he went a little crazy because he didn't have the money. And I see the same thing happen in this industry where when people invest, I think invest where it stretches you, but don't invest where you actually physically cannot afford it. Because that's where the lack comes in. That's where the scarcity, that's where the blaming of your coach and the save me mentality comes in um, because you are you need to make that money to pay your bills. Mm. Oh, 100% where it's like, the way that we use the coaching container, the way that we use the coaching program begins to shift because that scarcity comes into play, that desperation comes into play because we have invested beyond our means. And we've invested in a place where holding on to that money felt so much more safe than investing it in back into the business and then back into the business's growth. Um, where it actually starts to take a turn in the business and it actually starts to hinder us. So should it be a stretch? Absolutely. But should it be a stretch where, like, for example, whenever I have clients that reach out to me for one-on-one coaching, the first thing I always ask them is, hey, where are you in the business? Are you beginner? Are you intermediate or advanced? If somebody is a beginner and they're either pre-revenue or getting their first one to two clients, am I going to recommend my high-level one-on-one coaching? No, because are there programs and offers that are going to help them get their next few sales for lower investments? Sure. So I think that's knowing your product suite and creating an accessible product suite for the right client. 100%. I couldn't agree more. Oh, this has been so good. So good. So good. (laughs) Like we need a part two on like all the investments we made that we regretted. (laughs) Literally, like I've made great investments. I've made not so great investments. Um, But I think like 
asking asking ourselves the right question. And somebody said this to me the other day. Somebody said, uh, Joe, uh, someone who just recently hired me, she's like, Joe, I have made not so great investments before. And she goes, it's because I didn't do my homework because I didn't do the vibe check. It's because I didn't actually consume enough of the person's content to figure out if they were the person for me. So I think these things are important. And I think this conversation really, really hit home. But yeah, definitely open to a part two. Yeah, for sure. I love you, Joe. Um, let us know how can we find you? How can we connect with you and all that good stuff? Yes. So the place that I hang out the most is on Instagram. I am at the period ambitious period nutritionist. Um, so that's where you can find me, follow me and learn all things about integrity driven sales. Beautiful. And we'll put Joe's Instagram in the show notes. She's also got a free community. We'll drop that link as well. So you guys can follow, connect, shout with and hire Joe. Um, thank you again for being with us and we'll see you guys all again soon. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, remember to hit subscribe to stay updated and head on over to my Instagram at Michelle Hartsman for all things business, fun, money, growth, and expansion. And I'll see you next time.